Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome to the Xanadu Pleasure Dome. I'm Wendy. I am Melissa. And we have decided that we want to talk tonight about films noir. Films noir. And our alcohol of choice for the evening, very appropriately. Yes, we have switched up from wine this week, and we are currently drinking a single malt scotch. It is Lefroy. It and it's a special uh, bottle of Lefroy. It's a Cadiris origin. Uh, which is kind of this uh, special thing. This whiskey celebrates 18 years of our Friends Lafroy program. The 2012 bottling combines some of the original liquid used to create the first Cadiris, further matured and complemented with newer Lafroy spirit that has been fully matured in quarter casks. Wait a minute, did you say Lafroy Friends program? Yes, there is a Friends of Lafroy program, which means there is there's like a, a subscription service. I want to be a friend of Scotch. I know. I'm a Scotch friend. This stuff tastes like you set a library on fire and then sank it into a peat bog, and it's astounding. Yes. I mm. actually agree. I had not considered what a, what a burnt-up library buried in a peat bog would taste like, but now that you've mentioned it, I believe it would taste exactly like this. Yes, it's It's, it's got a lovely smoky finish that still is reminiscent of paper. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 Part of what I immediately got excited about is <laughs> payback. Yes. The film with Mel Gibson. Okay, we're just going to forgive Mel Gibson for being the person he is and enjoy his best performances on this podcast, right? We're not going to get into that. That's a totally different topic. Um, well, we can get into that in a different episode that's about that time. Yes, exactly. But what I love about Payback is that it's a modern film noir, but it. what I love about it is that it's not one where the bad guy gets his comeuppance at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. He gets away with it. Mm-hmm. And he gets away with it beautifully and spectacularly. And you're just sitting there going, oh, he's a bad, bad man. <laughs> oh, dear. He just did that. Mm-hmm. And you root for him. And at the end, you're like, excellent. But I can't believe you shot my luggage. Why would you do that? <laughs> so there's one recommendation for you. If you've not watched Payback with Mel Gibson. You should definitely go get it and enjoy it right away. I, I love how wonderfully clunky that film is. I mean, so often you're watching crime films and there's the height of technology on display. And in Payback, you've got the cell phone that looks like a brick. And yeah, yeah, it's it's lovely. And oh, and so many great like minor characters being played by great actors. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's a great cast. Is William Devane in that? He is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And should we back up and kind of define films more? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So if- you define all drink. 
I'll, I'll keep it simple because everybody argues about what the actual definition of films noir are, is, are. Generally, we're talking about films made in the 40s and 50s. They have usually a crime aspect. Usually their characters, even their main characters, their heroes aren't necessarily well-intentioned. Uh, their sexual motivations often... Well, the title literally means black films. There, There's usually dark cinematography. Lots of shadows. Lots of shadows. And the subject matter is usually very dark as well. Yeah, it's about bad people doing bad things. Yes. And then of, because of the Hayes Code... Yeah, and because of the Hayes Code, you know, they can't necessarily get away with it. That's right. So they had to get their comeuppance at the end. But by the end, you were rooting for them, and then you felt bad that they got their comeuppance. So I feel like the Hayes Code sort of missed the point there. Yeah. and But you also got offshoots into other countries, which were producing movies not necessarily under the Hayes Code, so they could do whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Or going back into the history of film noir, you get into the gangster movies of the early 1930s. And those actually were the things that kind of prompted the Hayes Code because they were so violent and gritty and unapologetic about it. God bless them. Yes. And... It, okay, it, so what would be an example yeah. of one of those gangster films that well, prompted um, the Hayes like, Code? Well, like, the, like uh, the Public Enemy with James Cagney. It's a, I want to say, 1932. Two gangster film. Jim, James Cagney is playing a gangster as is, as he is so as he is so well yeah. suited to doing. Is that the one where he smashes the grapefruit in her face? Yes, yes, yes. It's also the one where he's date raped. <laughs> he is date raped. He is date raped. Oh, goody! Uh, if I remember right, I think that is that one, and that's also the one where there's a shootout scene in an alley where. James Cagney and his friend or brother, I can't remember who it is, uh, are kind of trapped behind a corner while somebody's shooting machine guns at them. And, well, they didn't really have things like squibs or remote explosions, so they were actually firing a machine gun (laughs) at a building (laughs) that James Cagney was hiding behind. Oh, I love you crazy filmmakers. (laughs) Mm. We need to solve a problem. I don't know how to make it look like I'm firing bullets at you except to fire bullets at you, so... I'm going to fire bullets at you. Make sure you don't peek. Oh, goodness, yes. <laughs> there was about a two, three-year period, 1931 to 1933. You'd got just some really amazingly violent gangster movies, like um, the original Scarface with Paul Muni. Mm, yeah. uh, that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was yeah. the 30s, and then, of course, thanks to the Hayes Code, and then we yeah. come to our more classic, what we all recognize as films noir. Yes, everything from Citizen Kane to Nightmare Alley to... And, and of just, course, the classic yeah. that I always think of, Double Indemnity. Yes. I mean, that's the one It's like, if you call yourself a film fan, have you seen Double Indemnity? Yes. Well, then shut up and sit down and watch it. <laughs> like well, at Convergence, our science fiction convention, we had a film, we had a noir year, mm-hmm. a, a year that was sort of dedicated to this concept of noir and the shadows of sci-fi. And we have a film room at the con that shows movies dedicated to the theme. And because the theme was noir, they picked Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the weekend, there were these geeks that dared to complain that Cinema Rec showed it because, quote, it's not sci-fi or fantasy. Why was it being shown? <sighs> and I literally looked at them and said, 
you think you're a film fan, shut up and watch it. Billy Wilder, who was the director of Double Indemnity, made like three or four of probably some of the greatest film noirs. Okay. Because we had... Films noir. Films noirs. Films noirs. (laughs) Hello, Lafroy. I love you. Okay, so Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity. Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Ace in the Hole. I have not seen that one. Oh, and... Because I love Billy Wilder. Yeah. And uh, The Lost Weekend. Oh, the oh yeah. Okay, so so backing up, let's let's talk a little bit about Sunset Boulevard because mm. that's definitely one of the reigning queens. Of, oh, in so of, many ways, of films noir. Oh yeah, you take a diva like that, like Gloria and Swanson, Gloria Swanson at the height just, of her powers, just chewing on everything in sight, including the lead. Um, Oh, what's oh. This? Uh, Joseph Cotton. I didn't even... Aha! Just the mere act of opening IMDb. <laughs> she even chews on Joseph Cotton. Yes. It's great. Oh, I remember the first... It took me forever to see that film for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. But I remember watching it and just... It, first off, it's beautiful. The cinematography oh, of yeah. it is fantastic. And the structure of the story... And even though you know how it's going to end, you're still kind of rooting for Joseph Cotton to somehow get away. And you know he's not gonna. <laughs> uh, but mostly you watch it for Gloria Swanson and those eyebrows and that carriage. And yes. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Following that, you know, you've got Lost Weekend, which was Ray Milland. Oh, and I one love of the him. One of the great, great, great performances of that era. Um, one of the first real gritty portrayals of alcoholism in film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, up until then you'd see alcoholism kind of portrayed in a benign way or in a comedic way. Well, and, everybody drinks, yeah, right? Yeah. And last weekend you saw this man at the end of his rope and clearly this was destroying his life. And that was the first time you really saw something like that. It was Ray Land and Ruth Hussey. Okay. Both- my two of my favorites. So to completely go off on a tangent, but Ray Milland, who's in The Lost Weekend, is also in The Uninvited, which is a brilliant haunted house flick with a charmingly British script. So there's another one for well, you. Well, it's not, not that far off the rails because uh, films noir were actually very closely related to horror films of the era too because both both like the universal horror films and films noir of the americas both branched off of german expressionism oh yeah okay yeah i could see that yeah Yeah. so they're they're related on the family tree yeah i think it's fair Mm. continuing with billy wilder we also have ace in the hole which you haven't seen you should see Ace in the Hole is this amazing movie. You've got Kirk Douglas as this cocky-ass big city journalist who's slumming it in, like, an Albuquerque newspaper who happens upon a tragedy where a guy is trapped at the bottom of a mine shaft, I think it is. And Kirk Douglas sees a story in it and starts manufacturing it into basically this big media circus to raise his own career. While this guy is still trapped. Oh, dude. I know. It is dark. It is dark and fascinating. Okay, now, do you start to root for Kirk Douglas? Or is he... Because I'm sorry, that premise makes me just go, what a fucking asshole. Oh, no. He he, he makes your skin crawl. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I I love a noir where you're rooting for the bad guy. Like Payback, the modern equivalent. Or James Cagney. I always root for him. 
no matter what he's done, even no matter what terrible crime he committed. I'm like, oh, I love you, Jimmy Cagney. But there's also something very fun and delicious about a character that you can just hate. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Somebody, oh, somebody hit this guy. You've seen Touch of Evil, haven't you? Yes. Oh, yes. So let, let's let's hop over to Orson Wait, Welles for a while. because is, is that the one where Charleston has... Charleston. 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 Is that the one where Charlton Heston is a Mexican? Yes, it is. Yeah, look, Heston the Mexican. I even wrote that in my notes. I wrote, Heston oh, is a Mexican. Touch of evil, Heston the Mexican. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but nonetheless, a great film it, with that brilliant tracking shot to open it, right? Yes, it. the opening scene of the movie, the opening shot of the movie is, what, five minutes long? It's something crazy. It, and it starts in the trunk of a car. You see a bomb being planted in the car. And then you get this crane shot rising away and then following a couple down a street as they pass all these bars. And while they're talking, you can see where the car is going. And it's, it's kind of this weird waiting game to see what happens with this car in one shot. And it's masterful, of course, because, you know, it's Orson Welles at the height of his powers. But you're also left going... How the hell did you do that at, mm-hmm. in that in that time period? This was before steady cams. Yeah, this was before the you know the handheld rig, you know the rigs that you'd strap yeah. on your body and follow along, and it and you don't get any shaky shaky. It's yeah, amazing. It's a that's a crane shot. They actually had a crane. Yeah, I know, and but you're you still know. like, yeah, I know that's a crane, but how do you get that crane all the way around and follow and through because they're everywhere and you're just what? That's one. I wish there was more access to behind-the-scenes footage from films of that era so that you could watch how they did some of the stuff they did. You know, because there's all the apocryphal stories. There's the anecdotes and and maybe some on-set camera work or photography, like um, in Citizen Kane when uh, Orson Welles, like, dug a pit so he could get the right angle on a Mm -hmm. shot because he wanted it so low. So, you know, and that's fascinating. You hear about it and you maybe get a photograph of it. But, you know, we take for granted right now that Peter Jackson is going to have a documentarian on set while he films all the crazy Hobbit films. And you're going to get to watch it on the extras on the DVD. Well, hell, you can go to the website and watch it every single week as they're making the movie. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of this stuff, kind of the history of it is is all just oral history. So when they invent the time machine, I propose a new career. (laughs) Which is historical film documentarian, where you go back and you surreptitiously just film how the filmmaker and how they did things. Like, seriously, you could make so much money selling documentaries on Orson Welles. Hitchcock certainly went to the film noir well many times. I mean, that's Notorious and The Wrong Man and Suspicion, Strangers on a Train, Spellbound, Shadow of a Doubt, Shadow of a Doubt, Shadow of a Doubt. Oh, we should talk about Shadow of a Doubt. Shadow of a Doubt is one of my favorites. Oh my favorite. gosh, you went into a chorus of... Shadow of a Doubt. It's Shadow suddenly a doubt. musical. Shadow of a Doubt. No, Shadow, Shadow of a Doubt. doubt. Shadow no. of a, I have not seen that one. Oh, we I should know, fix that. Speaking of Joseph Cotton... Ooh, I love him so much. Oh, this is like the best Joseph Cotton performance of his entire goddamn career. Uh, That's saying something. It really is. Okay. It really is. I loves me some Joseph Cotton, but this is my favorite Joseph Cotton movie. It also has a very young Hume Cronin. Ooh. And Teresa Wright. I like Hume Cronin because I like his name. Who the hell names their kid? Hume. Hume. 
and it and it's some of just the best tonal Hitchcock that that balance of really really sinister and this is really funny gallows humor. <laughs> uh, the the premise of Shadow of a Doubt is there is this family in suburban America, lovely idyllic suburban America, uh, with a daughter who's named Charlie. She's named after her uncle, and they they kind of share this this bond. They're they're great friends, but little does she know he's there's something sinister going on with her uncle, and uncle comes to stay with them for a while. Okay, and, and now this isn't like weird. creepy pedophilia stuff. No, it's not creepy pedophilia okay. stuff. But there's something sinister going on with the uncle. Oh. And, and she winds up trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, so it's told from the point of view of the kid. Yeah, pretty much. It, oh, it, centers, it centers on her. One of my favorites, it's sort of in the haunted house, sort of creepy, spooky... Gaslight. Gaslight. Gaslight's great. Ingrid Bergman. And I feel like and, that one gets overlooked. And, and Angela Lansbury. And Angela Lansbury. And Small role, oh the and the French guy. Um Charles Charles something. Boyer. Charles Boyer. Boyer. Joseph Cotton again. Well of course. Because <laughs> yay. And yeah, I, Joseph Cotton is my is the everyman of the 1930s and 1940s. Apparently, yeah. And I, I wanted to mention Gaslight because when people talk about noir, of course, they go right to, you know, Hitchcock. They go to the Wells. They go to Bogart, right? All mm-hmm. of Bogie's films. But Gaslight, it's just this fun mind fuck of a film. And then there's the film I remember my mom telling me about when I was a kid. And we looked for years to find it because this was back before, you know, there were VHS tapes or even DVDs. So it was one of those, like, maybe it'll show up on a midnight movie. Maybe. The Spiral Staircase. Have you ever seen this? No. The premise of the film, it's a, like, 1930s or, no, it'd be, like, 1940s. And it's a serial killer film. Nice. There are murders happening. But they don't know why and what's going on. And what you find out is there's you, every once in a while you get to see things from the serial killer's point of view, but you don't know who it is yet because so it's also a murder mystery mm-hmm. of who's the killer. The killer is killing people that he thinks are defective. And needless to say, the heroine of the piece is a mute who doesn't speak. Huh. So every time he sees her and we see her from his point of view, her mouth is blurred out. It's really creepy. Yeah, it's a, crazy creepy. It's a it's a very I mean, bear in mind, you know, this isn't some slasher flick. It's not going to scare the pants off you. It was made in 1940s, but it's a nice tonal, slow, creeping dread sort of flick. I liked it a lot. I found one probably about a year ago. Detour. Have you seen Detour? It's only about an hour long. I feel like I've at least heard about it. It. It was clearly made on a budget of about five dollars, <laughs> but it. Wait, but the, was this in the nineteen forties where five dollars would take you pretty far? Eh, yeah, you know, you got a movie out of it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 clearly not the most erudite piece of work. But it's weird, very strange, and somewhat effective. Well, it's it's very effective. It, it certainly left an impression on me. But it's this. It's a story of this hitchhiker who kind of gets accidentally trapped into this web of intrigue, and it just goes all these bizarre places in did like they, sixty-seven minutes. Did they remake it? I feel like that concept has been played with. Oh, probably has. Yeah. Okay. So detour. Yeah, right. detour. Detour is a good one. Also, from the 
not-so-well-known noirs, we should talk about Nightmare Alley, because I know you've seen Nightmare oh, Alley. Oh, yeah. Nightmare Alley uh, with Tyrone Power and call John Blondell. To, call back to Buttonamathon. Yeah. We both saw this. One of the beautiful things about Buttonamathon is you get to see classic films on the big screen, maybe a film you've heard of, maybe a film you mm-hmm. haven't, because we also saw White Heat. White Heat's great. With, Another fantastic Cagney Jim, noir. Jimmy Cagney. and Well, gangster film, I should I say. Mean, because there was, of course, Rock All Night. Rock All Night. That's not a that's not a noir. I wasn't there that year. Oh, but you Rock, I know. So I good. still need to see Rock All Night, and it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. And then there was uh, there was um, Gun Crazy, which is a rather seminal film noir. And then Odds Against Tomorrow. But anyway, yeah. And that, so Robert then Wise. Nightmare Alley with Tyrone Power, oh. so handsome. What a handsome devil! Literally handsome devil, because he is. A asshole in that oh yeah oh it's so great god you want to strangle that man yes but it's uh, nightmare alley is a delight i'd actually seen it before but nomathon it was actually on my wish list for that year it's like yes we got nightmare alley and it is it combines that film noir thing with the dark carnival thing because it begins at a sideshow yeah and it's all people who work at a sideshow carnies it's it carnies evil carnies smell like cabbage evil carnies i mean really how can you say no to this aren't all carnies kind of evil oh i don't mean to say that well maybe i do um What I love about it is it's the con man who gets conned. Mm-hmm. That is always so much fun to oh, watch. Oh, it's beautiful. Somebody who believes they can never be fooled. They will always spot when somebody is trying to play them. And they get played so hard and they are left just reeling with mm-hmm. it. And, of course, Tyrone Power is just brilliant in it. <sighs> now- and that's one of the movies I found very hard to predict where it was going. Yeah. Because it goes some really strange and it ranges places. far and wide, and then he, he's successful, but you're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop, but it, it doesn't drop in the way you think yeah. it's going to drop, and then, oh, yeah. And, and I think it's really interesting that, well, back up a little bit, something I'm, that really fascinates me about film noir is the treatment of women mm. in film noir, because... Sometimes women are victims, but often they're instigators. They are, yeah. They they can be villains. They can be powerful. They can be sex is sexy and smart at the same time. They're the concept of the femme fatale comes from films noir, and the, and of and, course a femme fatale is just a woman who wants what she wants yes. and will use you to get it. And oh well, too bad for you. Which, that's going to be a woman I like. Yes. (laughs) And going back to Nightmare Alley, Tyrone Power is surrounded by these powerful female characters who are very distinct from one another. Well, even the ingenue character who you would kind of want to play as the victim, except she's actually quite knowledgeable. She assists him. She knows exactly who he is and loves him anyway. She's not actually played as a fool. She's just one of those women who makes a bad choice and knows she's making it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knows she's making the wrong choice. And 
for all that as a feminist, you know, it's like you kind of wish that every woman was always awesome. But let's be honest, we've all been in that relationship where you knew you were in the wrong relationship, but you were still there. God help you. I was really fascinated by the Joan Blondell character, too. The kind of older performer whose act is stolen by Tyrone Power. Mm Mm-hmm. Track down Nightmare Alley. It's amazing. Highly uh, recommended. Highly recommended. Also, Besides, nobody watches enough Tyrone Power. That was a beautiful man. Have um, you seen Cage? No. Ooh, Cage. See, this Cage. is in your wheelhouse. Yeah, this is totally... This, this is my garden. Welcome to my garden of dark black flowers. Um, <laughs> Caged. It is a movie about a women's prison. Oh. About, about female prisoners in a women's prison it's written by a woman who did a lot of homework in women's prisons. So and it's the orange is the new black for the noir generation. Yes. <laughs> With Agnes Moorhead. I love I, her. I know. I know. She's got such a great name. And then she's just so awesome. Agnes Moorhead is amazing. Amazing performer. Smaller role, but you know, she's still there. It, it, but it, it is really atypical for a movie of the early 1950s. You have an entire movie populated by criminal women, really well-fleshed out characters, and imprisoned together. Okay, so they're they're imprisoned together. We're going to assume, this being the 1940s, we're going to assume that they don't actually have some sort of lesbian sex scene in the shower. Nope. Okay, so what what is sort of the premise of the film besides criminal women in in prison i've only seen it once i remember part of the drama with the main character is that she's pregnant oh that's fun and in a lot there's a lot of side drama with relationships between other Mm -hmm. characters it's a huge cast of women but there's a lot of commentary on the differences between the justice system for men and the justice system for women at the time, yeah. what women were jailed for. It, it yeah, really interesting. There's a lot of social commentary in this okay, movie. Okay, I'll have to find that That's one. a really worthwhile movie. Like, I, even I, in the James Cagney film, so often, like, his love interest would be kind of shrewish, and yet at the same time, there's a power to how she can manipulate. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's forgiveness on my part in a way that I shouldn't, but I sort of take films in the context with which they were made. You know, at the time that these films were made, a woman was expected to rely on a man to provide. And so the way these women would manipulate men to give them what they want is kind of fascinating. Mm -hmm. And of course, the mom in White Heat... Oh, the mom in White Heat is just amazing. She's She's tremendous to watch. I, w- I just watched within the last month or so, I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. Okay, yeah. Which is an amazing movie for many, many reasons. Stars Paul Muni, the, the guy who was the original Scarface. Uh, he is an innocent man who's been sentenced to like nine years on a chain gang. And he escapes... And twelve years a slave, only it was nine. Yeah, kind of. No, he he escapes the chain gang and he goes to Chicago and becomes a successful architect. Okay. And he become he gets into this relationship with a woman who eventually finds out that he's actually a fugitive and starts blackmailing him. Yeah. 
And, and so that's part of the, that, that's, there's much more to the plot than that. Well, but yeah, but that's it, kind of fun to have a woman being all like, ha I got your number. Well, yeah, so the interplay between them was very interesting for that portion of the movie. It's a remarkable movie beyond that in that it was actually key in getting chain gangs dismantled. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's why we really no longer have chain gangs is because of that movie. I keep getting distracted by how good this scotch feels in my mouth. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> we understand if you don't have access to such a fine scotch, so make do at home. Yeah, right? this this is a scotch that's normally only available to people who are subscribers to the Freud. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I found this on a store shelf, or rather, Fess found this on a store shelf and bought it for me because he loves me. Okay, so there's your classic films noir, right, that we've been talking about. We've, tried, we've touched on some of the lesser-known ones. And then, of course, there's the more the modern ones that have taken these ideas mm-hmm. and brought them forward. And, of course, I brought up Payback. And then as I was looking through, I was reminded of one of my favorites, Brick. Brick! I know, right? Brick is great! It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Love him so much. It, it's a high school film noir. Yeah, it's film it's set in high school, and what I found so enjoyable the the banter and the dialogue is so sharp and snappy. I mean, mm-hmm. you, and you watch Joseph Gordon Levitt, and he could be channeling James Cagney with how he delivers these things. And there's this fun scene where the principal of the school pulls him in, and they're basically playing out the cop and the stoolie scene mm-hmm. right like i'm your informant i'm your stool pigeon you can't be calling me in here you're gonna give me away i, I need to keep a low profile so people believe me and and they tell me stuff and it's just it's so great to the way they take all of the tropes of that gangster film that noir film and they set it in a high school and yes. that said it's just it's just a great film regardless and that's the guy who did Looper. Yeah, Ryan Johnson. Yeah, and, and of course... Who goes to be Nick? Ha! Ah! And, and as Looper, obviously, is another film that's definitely taking ideas from noir. Yeah. Right? With your, with your bad guy who's a bad guy, and is he going to get away with it? But you're kind of rooting for him? Yeah. Because, I mean, he's a drug addict and he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. Why are we rooting for him again? <laughs> oh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Always going to be brought Shane up. Black. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. With with uh, oh Robert Downey Jr. Ooh. and Val Kilmer in, I think one of my favorite Val Kilmer roles. <laughs> yes. That if you look up stupid in the dictionary, you know what you find? A picture of me? No, the definition of stupid, which you are. <laughs> I mean the the dialogue okay. is so great, and then there's the female character. I love the moment where she's all like. Oh my God, she's so over the hill. And you find out she's a year older than her. It's like, wow, they just capture that Hollywood vibe so perfectly. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is my new Christmas movie. Yes. I brought that. The the moment I realized it was a Christmas movie, it is my new Christmas movie. Okay, so. Because I've I've seen Gremlins a million times. So next Christmas we'll get together and we'll watch The Thin Man and Kiss 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 Bang Bang. Bang. Thin Man is a noir. It is! Thin Man. Thin Man. Comedy we, noir. We haven't we, talked about comedy yes, noir. Yes, we need to talk about Thin Man because Thin Man is awesome. So, The Thin Man is a film. There's a whole <laughs> list of films that I have seen and loved because of my mother. 
because my mother brought up a geek and God bless her. They're, the number of films she's like, have you seen this? And I'm like, of course not. She's like, that's it. You're staying up late to watch it. And The Thin Man was one of them. And I remember, all I remembered, because I hadn't seen it in years, was this was delightful. And they were so hilarious. And then the Heights Movie Theater on Central, which is this mm-hmm. classic movie palace that's been restored, they were doing a movie series, and I saw that they were going to be showing The Thin Man on the big screen. And I turned to my husband, and I'm like, they're going to show The Thin Man on the big screen. And he went, what's that? And I went, oh, my God, we are so going. And we did, and he laughed so hard, which is always so satisfying. And then we, were, we just quoted at each other all the time. Yes. Did well, you want a drink? No, thank you. Well, that's a mistake. Uh, going back to roles of women in films. Noir. Oh God, Thin Nora. Man. Nora is amazing. The the great thing about Thin Man is that the two main characters are a married couple, a happily married couple, totally in love with each other, and they are partners. And they're both smart. They're both smart. They're both capable. And I love the exchanges. Like when Nora walks in on Nick, and he's hugging a younger woman. And it, there is absolutely no, oh, my God, what did I walk in on? Mm-hmm. She just walks in, and Nick makes a face at her like, woo, and she's all like, whatevs. Yes. And it's just so adorable. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. And, the, and just how wonderfully drunk they are. They're, mm-hmm. just, they're heroes to all alcoholics. <laughs> There's, and when you meet Nora, when you meet Nick... He's in a bar and he's telling the bar, he is showing the bartender how to mix drinks. He's like, no, you mix them, you shake a martini in waltz time. That's how you get it right. It's, it's so shit like that. But this drink should be done at a foxtrot. And so then he's talking, so then Nora comes in and she asks the waiter, how many has he had? And the waiter's like, six. And she's like, okay, bring me six. Line them up right here. <laughs> so help me God, I'm gonna catch up. <laughs> and it's just so fantastic and they the banter of it, but then there's also the really fun murder mystery and the way that Nick sort of follows the clues and he points out to the police, you're totally missing it. So there's a bit of Sherlock Holmes there as he he reads what has been given to him and he's like, You're making the wrong conclusions. If you look at this piece of evidence, it's obvious. And there's the classic reveal where he gets everybody around the dinner table at the end and he's like, By the way, you should know this and you should know that and this is what's really going on. And by the way, that guy's the murderer. Done. <laughs> American Psycho, segueing to comedy noir. Okay. That's definitely a noir, but it's kind of a killer thriller, but it's a comedy and I feel like everybody has seen that, but I want to make sure, no, really, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because Christian Bale is phenomenal in that movie. I find American Psycho fascinating because it was directed by a woman. Yes, it was. And if you're watching for it, it's very clear she's playing on the usual male gaze of of movies in that usually there, there are these weird loving shots of women and their their bodies whereas you know uh-huh. men are shot differently and it's all transposed there's beautiful shots beautiful of shots of male oh yeah and then women are just kind of yeah they're there um primal <laughs> fear which was the movie i discovered edward norton in mm-hmm. okay that's a great that's a great film 
Well, I'm about, not sure if it's a great film, but his performance is remarkable in it. And the twist, I'm sorry to give it away that there is a twist, but the twist at the end makes you go, what did I just watch? <laughs> I love a twist that sneaks up on you like that. Have you seen Cape Fear, either version? No, but I know I need to. Yes, you do. Both of them. Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces is a, a hell of a thing. It's a mess, but it's such a fun ride that you just kind of forgive it for not it, knowing what it is. It's the definition of a hot mess. Yes, but it's so smoking hot. It's a smoking hot mess. Because there's, oh my God, uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is hot. <laughs> that scene with Ben Affleck is just... It's just brilliant. And then there's all of the bounty hunters converging. And there's there's so much to love about that film that you forgive it for the fact that it's really actually a mess. So, you know, open up a bottle of whatever and, and just watch it. <laughs> Strange Days. Strange Days, definitely. I'm just, I'm just um, doing a quick flip through of like the modern ones. Minority Report. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If that's not noir. I don't know what... It, what is it's, okay so and minority report oh. i will never be able to look at the same way ever since somebody gave me the perspective that everything that happens after he is put in the mind jail is his fantasy yeah is what he's telling himself while he's in jail it makes a lot more sense that way mm -hmm. because it's all just too pat after that yeah shutter island yeah and taxi driver yeah and raging bull i think it applies in Bruges. In Bruges. In Bruges. I still haven't seen In Bruges. Okay, the, here's the thing with In Bruges. In Bruges, when I saw the trailer, they cut a shitty fucking trailer. And I hate it when they do this to movies. They didn't know what they had, and they just wanted you to watch it. So they cut a comedy trailer and tried to sell it as a comedy. Because <sighs> the studio wasn't sure what the hell it was. And so I rented it thinking I was getting a comedy. So I hated the film. Because I was in the mood for a comedy, and that's not what the fucking film is. And now that I've seen it on the list of noirs and I'm rethinking it, that makes a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's yeah. it's interesting how the history of gangster movies and history of films noir just kind of intertwined. Mm. There, There's a lot of gray area there. Well, I feel like if the premise is that you need to pick someone who is morally ambiguous, you're going to immediately just go, well, yeah. it, it should be a criminal, yeah. right? Precisely. But, you know, but criminals, right, they have a code of honor, maybe, or sometimes they're doing something that you can't help but kind of root for them to win because they're the underdog, right? But not all heist films are noir, mm -hmm. because a heist film, I feel like, is a separate genre. That's that's when you're just rooting for them to get away from it. That's interesting. Why Although is it you root for, for criminals when it's a heist film, but not necessarily when it's noir? I think a heist film is... A little bit of wish fulfillment. Yeah. Because there is a, a certain puzzle solving. Yeah, the puzzle solving. Reward. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, getting into heist films. I, oh. That's it, a separate podcast, heist films. But, 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 one of the key films noir is Rafifi. <gasps> you haven't seen. I oh, know, Rafifi. So I, get to, I get to share Rafifi with all Ooh. of you. Uh, Rafifi is a French film. It's not a baboon who anoints the Lion King. <laughs> yeah, it's Rafiki. That's different. I'm sorry. That was awesome. Shame on you. <laughs> now, Jules, Jules Dufsen is the French director who gave us Rafifi, as well as The Naked City and Night of the City. Um, mm. Some really key foreign films noir. 
City of Lost Children. City of Lost Children, uh, also a French film. Also French. Yeah. Would you uh, call it a noir? Caro, uh, it certainly has elements of noir. I mean, but it's, it's like a noir fantasy. Yeah, the stylings are definitely yeah. noir. Yeah. yeah. But so. going back to Rafifi, it's um, probably the first heist movie. It's the first movie that has that heist film structure. That puzzle of... Yeah. You don't know how it's going to happen, yeah. but we're going to make it happen. There, and now look at how we tick everything off. And I think it actually has my very favorite heist scene ever. Okay. Because it's the centerpiece of the film. Like, literally, it's right in the middle of the movie. And it is completely carried out without dialogue. Start to finish. They have to be quiet. And it's it's a long sequence. There's no dialogue. It's just all visual. And they're robbing a vault. And it's beautiful. You established in our first podcast but, yeah. that there might be penises in French films. I haven't seen many penises in French noir. <laughs> you there are there are boners in French films. That is there are boners. Of, I I can fully attest that I have seen at least one boner in a French film. <laughs> there weren't any boners in Rafifi that I could see. That you could see, but were there, see. were there implied boners? I kind of got a boner watching that heist scene. Okay, so there was a heist boner. So there was there, a heist boner Okay, there. I just feel like we need to make sure there's always a boner if it's a French film. <laughs> uh, Henry Georges Clouseau, the director, uh, one of my favorite directors, actually. Not Inspector Clouseau. Not Inspector Clouseau. I am clearly been drinking the scotch because yes. every movie you bring up, I have to make a smart-ass comment. <laughs> Okay. You better take this one because I'm a little drunk. That was fast. It, I have. This I, is awesome. It's brilliant scotch. I didn't really eat dinner because I was doing the thing, and I was going to get a burger on the way home. So that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there was something about what you just said that reminded me of the very first Wachowski film. Bound. Bound is great. And that is definitely, it's definitely that noir, heisty sort of thing. And I remember, who was it who gave that to the Wicks? Was it you? No, that was Mr. Jones. Jones, that's right. I had just stopped by our friends Tim and Pat's one night to hang out. And they're like, oh, our mutual friend Chris Jones <laughs> gave us this film. It's by the people, by the guys who made the Matrix, it's their first film. He thought we would like it. We were going to watch it. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll, I'll watch that with you. And we sit down to watch it. And within five minutes, we're all very uncomfortable as it has turned into <laughs> lesbian porn. Yeah. And we're kind of all looking at each other like, huh. Um, and I'm, I remember saying something along the lines of, did Chris mention what type of film this was before he uh, recommended it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, from there, it got awesome. But yeah, it, it and the lesbian Joe Pantoliano and is some of his greatest work. Yes, and the lesbian porn is actually relevant and appropriate and hot. With oh, Gina Gershon. Gina Gershon is hot. Ah, I mm. would let that woman fix my plumbing anytime. <laughs> Oh my goodness! And there's a cute scene with with Joe Pantoliano, and he's he's blow drying money that's been. Yes, I love on. that scene. 
And I remember watching through the whole thing, and because it is so steeped in the noir structure, I kept trying to figure out who was playing who and where the switch was going to come, and it surprised me how it all played out. Mm -hmm. It was a delightful film. So, yeah, if you've not seen Bound, you definitely should. Le Samurai. Le Samurai. Yes. Oh. It's speaking of French films. And speaking of extended silence yeah. sequences. Yeah, Jean-Pierre Melville. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that is a silent film. I could watch that film without any of the dialogue, and yeah. I would probably understand what was going on. Yeah. And it, it stars Alan Delon, who is a pretty, pretty man. He's just beautiful. Ooh. He and, and it's like if James Bond knew he was going to lose. Yeah. Right? It's it's that sort of super spy feel, except so weighted with angst and despair <laughs> and is. cigarette smoke. There's a Beautiful. lot of smoke. <laughs> Beautifully shot cigarette smoke in the silence of his lonely room. While he's beautifully smoking. Seriously, that is a film to make you start smoking. Speaking of Alan Delon, another thing that fits is uh, Plain Soleil, which is a... It's also known as Purple Noon. It was the first adaptation of the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh! Yes! 1960s version of the talented Mr. Ripley. That Which is a... Which is... Which has is noir, noir structures. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's... It's... Um, Really amazing, and Alan Delon is playing the beautiful, the the beautiful bad guy. Beautiful. I'm sorry when you say Alan Delon, I'm just beautiful. Oh God, we haven't talked about Kurosawa. Kurosawa, Akira Kurosawa, Japan's great director. Before he started making all the samurai movies in the fifties, was doing film noir. Yeah. He started making movies pre yeah. pre World War Two, uh, kind of these little morality plays, and then, kind of during wartime, he started picking up on the American vibe and starting doing these amazing crime dramas in Japan. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that, but yeah, his crime dramas oh, are definitely they're noir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I tend to think of them as Kurosawa films, yeah. but they are definitely crime dramas. They're definitely. That noir genre. Yeah, so you have Stray Dog, which is about a cop who loses his gun. And it's all about trying to get the gun back. Poor cop. <laughs> I know! It's Toshiro Mifune and Takashi Shimura, the two great actors of Mifune. Kurosawa oeuvre. Mifune is just fun to say. Mifune! 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 That is the manliest oh. man who ever walked the Oh planet. my god, that is the manliest man who ever manned. <laughs> That shit. Seriously, I mean, just so much testosterone. Oh, oh, and then the Japanese sort of oh, sort of going on there. You're just like, yes, I will have sex with you. Fine. Yes. <laughs> sex now. Yeah. Okay. I I just watched Seven Samurai again this last weekend, oh, and there's a lot of mostly naked. Mifune. Well, not a lot, but there's some mostly <laughs> naked Mifune in there. That's like, that's good for me. Yeah, it's that's okay. That's really okay with me. I yeah. please, yes, thank you. But Seven Samurai is not noir. But High and Low is Drunken Angel is mm. the bad sleep well. Yeah, and, and the bad definitely sleep well. the bad sleep like well is is Hamlet. Just... It's Hamlet as film noir. Okay, 
as a mother of a five-year-old, I don't need to hear that. The bad sleep. The bad well. sleep. Well, <laughs> oh shit. My my favorite one is High and Low, though. Have you ever seen High and no, Low? No, you, oh. you 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 oh. went through a whole thing where you watched all of the Kurosawa. Yeah, and I am kind of stuck. I've only watched like four, and it's one of those things that I keep meaning to do, but I never I, have enough time. I own them all. Well, of course you do. I own them all. We can fix this. I know you. I but it's just I don't have time to watch every film on the planet. You know I, I love like you. a mile from you. Yes, and you haven't seen Cabaret. <laughs> well, we can fix this. Okay, okay, that's it. Okay. We have to do more like double features where I pick one you haven't seen and you pick one I haven't seen. Deal. Yes. yes. Deal. Okay. Deal. Okay. So high and low is this amazing crime procedural mm. where it starts out with Toshiro Mufune is the father of a young child like seven years old-ish. Okay, wait. Is he in a suit or he's, is he in a kimono? He's in a suit. That's just hot. I know. <laughs> Give me a moment. I know. He, he's a uh-huh. shoe manufacturer. So he's making... <laughs> So he's a businessman. He's a businessman. Okay. And I'm picturing him like Geppetto or for some yeah. reason. Like, no, no. He owns a factory. Other people actually make Oh, okay. Shoes. Okay. So he's a shoe manufacturer, you know, a fairly upscale businessman with a young child. Okay. And he comes home to find a ransom note that a kidnapper has kidnapped his child. And okay. so he calls the police. Police come over and they're figuring out what to do. And his child suddenly comes home. And it turns out the kidnapper actually kidnapped the child of his housekeeper. Ah. And so it becomes this weird morality play where he's being ransomed, but... Not for his kid. Not actually for his kid. I kind of don't give a fuck. Yeah. And, but it, it still becomes this weird crime procedural of... Of tracking this down, and Takashi Shimura is playing the, the police detective. Oh. And it's just... Awesome. The first time I ever saw High and Low, I had no idea it was a Kurosawa film. It's like I randomly picked it off of Netflix and they sent it to me. And for some reason, I wasn't paying attention to the credits, so I didn't see Kurosawa at all. <laughs> and, and I watch it go, this is, this is amazing. This is really amazing. What? Wow, this is amazing! <laughs> I get to the end and I look up more about it. Oh, it's Kurosawa. Okay, no wonder. Fritz Lang did some really important films for the beginning of film noir. Yeah, because he did M. To come back to full circle, of course, noir came out of German Expressionism. Yeah, so you have M with Peter Lorre as a pedophile. And I know. That makes me sad because I love Peter Lorre so much. It's a great performance. Rick. Rick. Or <laughs> the first time I ever saw Peter Lorre, I had seen all kinds of caricatures of him. And then the first time I ever saw him in a movie was Arsenic and Old Lace. And oh, I, so my twin and I, for weeks afterward, were just, well, bon voyage. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Fritz Long, also Scarlet Street with Edward Jean Robinson. Um, I haven't seen it, but of course I've seen Edward G. Roberts. 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 Robinson. Robinson. I blame your Scotch. This woman. is. 
I haven't even drunk that. I want to make it clear. I have not even drunk that much. It's just really good shit. It really is. It goes. It's oh yeah, it just straight crawls. to the lips. It's like an alien. It crawls in there and it just sort of takes over all your systems and says, "We're going to be Scotch thing." Now. <laughs> now we are the entity that is Scotch. Your brain has been taken over. Your limbs have been taken over. Your tongue has been taken over by Scotch. <laughs> And you thought we were just winos. No, no, we're just alcoholics. <laughs> I feel like we would fit in fine with Nick and Nora Charles. I, I would aspire to that. All right, you finish it off. <laughs> Fritz Lang? I don't know. What we're all... I think that's where I left off. Uh, Scarlet Street. <laughs> <laughs> totally sober. Nobody would guess. No. <laughs> so not sober. We haven't talked about Coen Brothers. The Co- That's an oversight. Miller's Crossing, Fargo. Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, for all that it's a comedy, is a noir. Oh, God, yes. It's, it's a direct adaptation of Big Sleep, isn't it? It might be. I think it is. I am declaring it an adaptation of the Big Sleep. All right. In my drunken powers, I declare myself the grand booba of movies, and And the Big Lebowski is an adaptation of the Big Sleep. I want to wander off into Tarantino, but I'm going to stop. Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, because he also... Mm, Yeah, Jackie Mm, Brown. Jackie Brown. Yep, yep, yep. Love Jackie Brown. And Um, and Pulp Fiction. Duh, Pulp Fiction. But Miller's Crossing. Miller's fucking Crossing. It's... Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And I feel like it's Ga- one of the lesser known Coens that everybody sees, uh-huh. like Raising Arizona and The Big Lebowski and Fargo. But if you have not watched Miller's Crossing, first off, there's a lot of really beautiful hats. Yes. Men in hats. Gabriel Men, Byrne in Ga- hats. Yes. Albert a- Finney in hats. In hats with banter. Sexy men in hats bantering. Yes. Yes, I feel like that needs to be its own film genre. Sexy men in hats bantering. Sign me up. I will give you my money. <laughs> You'd think the Coen <laughs> brothers were gay for how well they film sexy men in hats bantering. The man who wasn't there also. Yeah? It very much has the look of the noir. Yes. the And it's that sort of forgotten man who wants to be a criminal and he's, what is he doing? He probably shouldn't be doing it, but you're rooting for him anyway. Yeah. Oh, God. Blood Simple. Oh, fuck Duh. yeah. Oh, fuck Duh. yeah. Duh. Oh. Francis McDormand. Oh. Forever. Forever. Oh, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Francis. I think I'm going to burp. Fargo. Fargo, of Goes course. without saying. That's just gonna... uh, Minnesota's very own film noir. <laughs> Minnesota finally got a film noir. Hot dish and murder. <laughs> Hot dish and murder. <laughs> and it's named after a South Dakota city. I know. North I... Dakota city. What the fuck? I'm drunk. Everybody thinks of it as a Minnesota film, but it's named after a North Dakota city. Hot dish and wood chippers. Yay. Yeah. And yet, when they were in... Fargo in the movie they were filming in Minneapolis. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that that building's in Minneapolis. The Cone Brothers are many are Minnesotans, so I forgive them. I do forgive them. Yes. They are actually from St. Louis Park. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, which is are. a suburb of Minneapolis. So they I will yes. claim them as Minneapolitans. Minnesota can claim the Cohen brothers and Prince. Judy Garland and Prince. <laughs> and the dude who played Hercules, and and Terry Gilliam, Terry Gilliam. Speaking of which, 
Brazil. Brazil. Brazil's a noir. Brill is totally a noir. Brill is a noir. Well, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Don't touch me. But going to comedy noirs again, although oh. what I remember, even though it is a comedy, don't get me wrong, I understand that it is a comedy, but it's so black of a comedy that it's, that it's the kind of comedy that you don't laugh at, you just sort of feel bad about. But I remember when I saw Brazil in the comedy section of a blockbuster, yeah. and I, I went to the clerk, I'm like, do you know you've got Brazil under comedy? He's like... Well, yeah, it's the Monty Python guys. <laughs> and oh, I just, oh my God. I just sort of clutched my head and walked well, away. Well, it's a satire. It's a satire, but... It's a dark satire. Yeah, no... Here's the thing. Like in Bruges, you sold it to me as a comedy. And while there is quirky comedy elements, it was not a comedy, and I was unhappy. Well, it does have Robert De Niro as a air conditioner repairman. Not in Bruges, but Brazil does. Yes, Yes. But I feel like if you put... And Bruce, Bruce should. Yeah. Any film should. <laughs> yes. Every film should have Robert De Niro as an HVAC repair dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if you are surfing in a blockbuster... Okay, we're back in the 90s. Shut up. Go with it. Mm. You're surfing in a blockbuster and you go to the comedy section and you pick up this film that when you watch Brazil, you are not going to like it because this isn't a fucking comedy. I didn't laugh once, assholes. <laughs> Although I don't know that you'd put it in drama either. I don't. That is a movie that it would be very hard to pitch. 